Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I'm your host, Mark Shapiro. Before we get to our very special episode today, a thank you to the sponsors of this episode of Explore the Space, Lori Bedke and Creighton University. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. This is a very special episode of Explore the Space. On June 27th of this year, Rock the Ride, which is a fundraising event to raise money for gun violence prevention, took place. It was the third annual event, and it was started by Congressman Mike Thompson from the California 5th, who actually happens to be my home representative. This was the third annual Rock the Ride, and it came together at the last minute because it was felt to be that important, even in the midst of a pandemic, to still come together and to continue the conversation on how do we work to reduce gun violence in the United States. And we came together in a panel discussion, and it was an honor for me to moderate the panel, which consisted of Congressman Thompson, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, Congressman Ted Lieu, and Dr. Megan Ranney. It's a wide-ranging conversation over a number of topics, but the fundamental components, the central dogma is that this is work that we must continue to do. It is work that we can make a tangible difference in, and it is work that requires the energy, effort, and enthusiasm of all of us. Before we get to the panel conversation, I'd like to just invite all of you to please check out the archive of Explore the Space at www.explorethespaceshow.com. And if you're interested in hearing the extraordinarily compelling archive of conversations around gun violence in the United States, there's a link to that in the show notes, and you can also find it by going to the website. You can follow me on social media, on Twitter at ETS Show, on Instagram at Explore the Space Show. You can email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. And you can find Explore the Space anywhere you download your podcasts. And please do leave us a rating and a review. Please subscribe. That all really helps the show out. This panel conversation was extraordinary. If you are interested in learning more about Rock the Ride, if you're interested in donating, there's a link to the organization in the show notes. Proceeds go to Everytown, Moms Demand, the Giffords Foundation, and Affirm Research. So please do take a look. Please do consider donating. Without further ado, the panel conversation for Rock the Ride 2020 with Congressman Mike Thompson, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, Congressman Ted Liu, and Dr. Megan Rainey. Well, welcome back, everybody. Welcome to the third annual Rock the Ride. This year, of course, virtual. We'd love to have you out there here in the lovely confines of Napa Valley, but we've got to adapt. We've got to pivot, as they say now. Welcome to the new norm. Well, welcome back. How was your ride? How was your exercise? How was your health care of yourself today? Congressman Mike Thompson, we want to hear about your 50-mile ride that you spun out this morning. We'll find out in a little bit. Also want to thank all our partners, our sponsors. Without partners, without sponsors, we could not have these great events. I want to thank Kamer Consulting Group. I want to thank the Whitewater Group. 
Uh, Explore the Space podcast. Those are podcasts you want to check out, put on by a very good guy, and you'll hear more about those. Explore the Space podcast in just a little bit. So without those partners, Kamer Group, Whitewater Group, and Explore the Space podcast, we could not have these great events. We also want to thank a special shout-out to our Speaker of the House, the great Nancy Pelosi, for her continued passionate support of our cause. So her entire family was here with us in the first year, and they're with us virtually this year. We also want to shout out to all our enthusiasts, our cyclists, the great Eric Housley, a newcomer to the cyclist community, but he's having a great time out there on his bike. Tatiana, how did it go? We were asked uh, to ask about you and how did it go? And is Chris riding with you or is he cooking, waiting for you to come home? Mayor John Dunbar, the mayor of Yountville, uh, he was out there riding, so we hope forward. Uh, we look forward to his ride report. Also, want to thank Diane McMines for her continued passionate support for this great event. Dr. Peter Bornstein, all the way up in Minneapolis, where it's snowing today. No, I'm just kidding. They're walking, enjoying the day. Stacy Mosley, nice pedaling, uh, riding uh, for her mother, who is a gun violence survivor. So, thank you, Stacy. Want to thank the Congresswoman Suzanne Delbaney from the great state of Washington, out there. And then uh, Team Russell, Liz Russell and her family cycling in the Vine Trail here in Napa. So thank you to all our 300-plus participants, people still signing up moments ago, and those mentioned. We're going to kick it off with a great video. This is a special video that was made just for you. So please take a moment, watch this video, and then we're going to turn it over to our other speakers. Take in this video right here, right now. Stopping gun violence takes courage. The courage to do what's right. The courage to new ideas. I've seen great courage when my life is on the line. Now is the time to come together, be responsible. Democrats, Republicans, everyone. We must never stop fighting. Fight, fight, fight. Be bold, be courageous. The nation's counting on you. Thank you very much. Wow. A true American hero from Arizona, Congresswoman Gabby Gifford. I hope you enjoyed that. She looks great. With no further ado, I want to turn it over to the great Dr. Mark Shapiro. Dr. Mark is the creator and host of Explore the Space podcast, a show focusing on bringing those who provide health care and those who seek health care closer together through conversations with leaders from across the spectrum. He's also associate medical director for hospital services with St. Joseph's Medical Group in Santa Rosa. He is also a full-time good guy. He's also a full-time hospitalist at Santa Rosa Memorial Hospital. I'm going to turn it over to Dr. Mark Shapiro. Mark, it's all yours, sir. Eric, thank you so much for the kind introduction. This is my second Rock the Ride, and it's a a real treat to be here with all of you. And I'm delighted to be able to moderate this panel where we can discuss the issue of gun violence and how it connects all of us together and and how we can continue to move the needle and do the hard work and to answer the call from Congresswoman Giffords as well. I'll introduce our panelists first. Congressman Mike Thompson is here. He has served as the U.S. Representative for California's 5th Congressional District since 1999. He's the chairman of the House Gun Violence Prevention Task Force and is a member of the House Committee on Ways and Means. He was first elected to Congress in 1998 after serving in the California State Senate. And Congressman Thompson is also a veteran of the United States Army. 
Not only does he represent his district in the House of Representatives, he represents the proud bicycling and outdoor traditions of our region as an avid cyclist. And so welcome to you, Congressman Thompson. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you. I'll introduce next Dr. Megan Ranney. Dr. Ranney is an emergency physician and an associate professor of emergency medicine at Brown University. She is the chief research officer of Affirm Research, which is a leading nonprofit committed to ending the gun violence epidemic through a public health approach. Her career focuses on developing, testing, and disseminating digital health interventions to prevent gun violence. And she is also a leading physician, advocate, educator, and public speaker on gun violence and other myriad public health issues. And I'll just share, she was a critical part of my own personal journey of learning how to speak out around gun violence. Dr. Rani, welcome. Thank you, Mark. It's an honor to be here. Next, I'll introduce Congressman Ted Liu. Congressman Liu represents California's 33rd Congressional District in the House of Representatives. He's serving his third term in Congress and he sits on the House Judiciary Committee and the House Foreign Affairs Committee. He was elected by his Democratic colleagues to serve as a co-chair of the Democratic Policy and Communications Committee as well. Congressman Liu is a veteran of the United States Air Force and he is a powerful voice on what is my preferred social media platform, which is Twitter. We are delighted to have Congressman Liu back. He was at Rock the Ride uh, in last year's event in 2019. Congressman Liu, welcome back. Thank you, and honored to be with all of you. Lastly, I'll introduce Congresswoman Robin Kelly from the Illinois 2nd Congressional District. She will be joining us in just a couple of minutes. Congresswoman Kelly was initially elected to Congress in 2013 and has dedicated her career as an advocate for public service for Illinois families. She's championed numerous initiatives to generate job growth, reduce health disparities, and end gun violence. And she currently serves as vice chair on the Congressional Gun Violence Prevention Task Force. And she is the author of the 2014 Kelly Report on Gun Violence in America. She will be joining us in just a couple of minutes, but welcome to all of you. It's really wonderful to be able to be together and to have this conversation. Congressman Thompson, I'll just start this conversation with you. This is an event that came out of work that you had and energy that you had. And now we're here for the third Rock the Ride. I was able to be there last year, and I really remember being struck by a couple of things a really strong sense of community. And that's not just because I also live in this region. It was amazing to see people coming together, not just geographically, but also around an issue. There was a real sense of purpose. We knew why we were there. We knew why we had gathered and there was a real energy around that. And then of course, there's just that shared love of being outside. It's the summertime in Northern California, which is always very special. But this year, for me, something that really resonates, there's a sense of perseverance around the 2020 Rock the Ride. This didn't have to happen. It would have been very easy, very easy to just have gone dark. We didn't. This event went forward. And I'd like to get kind of your sense of the critical nature of the issue of gun violence and also understanding that critical need to persevere so that we can continue to press this issue. Well, Mark, thank you very much. Um, Everybody knows that uh, gun violence is a problem in our country. Um, 30 people every day are killed by someone using a gun. And over the last couple of months with coronavirus, you know, the number of mass shootings has gone down, uh, but the number of gun violence incidents has not. As a matter of fact, in some areas, it's even spiked. And people 
don't feel safe. And that's why you have this interest in not only Rock the Ride, but in all the great organizations that Rock the Ride uh, supports. And yeah, we talked about what we were going to do. We, we, should we cancel it this year? Should we do it virtually? And because of the great work of uh, Rebecca Koch, we were able to do it virtually. And uh, we were talking just yesterday about how successful uh, this virtual event has been. Because it was only like 19 days ago when we finally decided, yes, we're going to do it. And we have almost 250 people signed up to either walk, ride, or run on a virtual event to do something about gun violence and to promote gun violence prevention. So I think it's a testament to uh, all the great people who are, uh, who are participating in this, uh, Rebecca for organizing it, and the commitment that we have come together to embrace uh, in doing something about gun violence. I appreciate that reflection. And it is remarkable to just 19 days ago. And now here we all are with this many people. I think that that speaks to not only the importance of the issue, but people's desire to still be able to congregate in whatever manner we're able to. Congressman Liu, I want to ask you if you strike me as somebody having followed you on social media and, and, and followed your career. You have a, a, an ability to reach out using platforms that people are already on and kind of meet them where they live, particularly on Twitter. And I'm curious if you could share the levers that you like to pull to bring the issues like gun violence that are of a primary importance that can easily become moved aside by something else. And there are many things that can do that, certainly COVID-19, but there's always other things that come up. What are the things that you find to be effective to continue to keep this issue in a place where people are able to A, pay attention, B, learn, and C, continue to move forward? Thank you, Dr. Shapiro, for your question. Let me first say uh, how pleased I am that this event happened again this year. I was uh, honored to have been able to attend last year. I brought my entire family. I had a great time and want to thank Congress Member Mike Thompson uh, for doing this event and also the leadership of Congress Member Robin Kelly as well. Uh, under both of their efforts, uh, we did pass universal background checks in the House. Uh, it's now before the Senate, and we urge Senator Mitch McConnell to take that up. Uh, if he does not, hopefully we can have a good result in November and flip the Senate, and then we will get that uh, to the president's desk. Uh, so to answer your question, I believe that Abraham Lincoln had it right when he said that public sentiment is everything. Uh, with it, nothing can fail. Without it, nothing can succeed. And I want everyone to understand their power to shape public sentiment. If you write a post on social media uh, and uh, it resonates, you might be able to affect someone in Florida or Ohio or Orange County. Uh, you can write letters to the editor. Uh, it is true that lots of newspapers get letters to the editor. It's also true many of them come from the same people. So when you start writing, eventually you'll get published. And if we can speak uh, with one voice about gun violence prevention and keep raising the issue, uh, then I do believe uh, eventually we will get legislation and public sentiment is a big part of that. I appreciate that. And I think that it's always good for the public to hear that too, to know that they really do have a role to play and there's a sense of agency and empowerment around that. 
And Dr. Rainey, I'll ask you, because this is something where you and I are connected and I feel very strongly about this. You are the person that really helped me to find my voice and to understand that as a physician, not only do I have a role to play in taking care of patients, but I have a responsibility to use my voice as an advocate and as someone who has part of the public trust, just like our elected officials. As you've continued in your career and continue to do this work and have really emerged as a leader in communicating with the public at large and helping to develop that sense of public sentiment that Congressman Liu was describing, what is the sense of urgency that you carry around it? And what are the groups that you try to reach now? You, you've reached physicians, you've reached healthcare professionals, you've helped expand it within the profession you and I are part of. Where, where, Where's next? Where are the right places to focus that energy to bring more of that public sentiment together? Thank you, Mark. Uh, it is an honor to be here with you and also uh, with Representatives Thompson, Lou, and Kelly. Um, huge admirer of all of you and, and honored to be here. Um, Mark, as you know, I've been working on this issue for a very long time, um, and I'm just thrilled that we have managed to shift the conversation over the last couple of years um, through our hard work at Affirm Research, as well as the work of folks across the country, including, of course, in California, Garen Wintemute um, and his group at UC Davis, um, who've been huge leaders, friends, and collaborators of mine for a long time. Um, you know, Representative Thompson mentioned that there are 30 gun violence deaths a day. I'll highlight that there are another 60 to 70 gun suicides a day across the country, as well as about 200 injuries. Um, and as he already mentioned, the numbers have not gone down during COVID. We're looking right now to see exactly what trends there are. But as I'm sure Representative Kelly will mention, um, in most of our urban centers, we're seeing at least the same, if not higher rates of gun injuries, um, especially since the stay-at-home orders have lifted. I think for many of us who are involved in work around gun violence, we are committed to this because it is a public health problem. We're committed to it because it highlights all of the structural inequities in our society, including, of course, racism, but also lack of science, um, lack of preventive treatment. Um, and so for many of us during the COVID epidemic or the first phase of the COVID epidemic, our, our minds were turned um, to treating and preventing COVID. But um, the urgency of this problem has not decreased. And if anything has increased, um, we know that the number of gun sales during uh, the early days of COVID-19 went up and that 40% of purchasers were first time buyers who likely had no safety training, likely did not buy a safe or any sort of safe storage facilities. Um, and, and that makes those of us that work in this field nervous. Um, we know that many guns are used responsibly, um, but it just takes one depressed um, family member um, to wreak tra tragedy um, that, that a family and a community cannot uh, recover from easily. So I feel great urgency. I also feel um, the importance of, as you mentioned, engaging community. Um, I know when you and I have talked before, I feel that there's critical importance to knowing and sharing the facts about this epidemic, um, but also importance to sharing stories and to creating a space where we can come together, um, not as Democrats or Republicans, as Representative Giffords mentioned, not based on our kind of partisan sentiments, but rather based on a, community, a, a commitment to the safety of our community. And one of the things that we try to do at Affirm Research is to create that space where we can move forwards together, where we can change the conversation together, and to start to talk about risk and safety standards in a way that allows all to be part of this. Um, it is about moving beyond healthcare at this point and making sure that those in our community who are, as Representative Thompson mentioned, afraid and hopeless, um, have a safe space to go um, to help stay safe. 
So honored to be here and excited for the conversation. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate all that. Congresswoman Kelly, welcome, and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. I, I'd like to get a sense from you about just that high-level strategic view as somebody who obviously carries a lot of weight and carries a, a great sense of responsibility in your role, not just as a member of your community, but as an elected official. With the number of, of different topics that press in on us right now, and it feels like now almost more than ever, what are the things that for you, what, what are the things that make you realize that the, that the issue of gun violence is still of primary importance for your constituency and also for you in your daily work? And then what are the things that you feel like help us keep moving this forward as we continue to kind of burrow through the, the, the COVID-19 pandemic, the acknowledgement of needing to deal with structural racism in the United States, these myriad challenges that come up, they're interwoven, but right. they can also push things aside. How do, uh, what is your sort of strategic vision for making sure gun violence remains that priority? Well, unfortunately, um, as was said, and it's good to be with all of you, and I always love seeing my colleagues because we don't really see each other that much anymore, but, um, I'm re- I'm reminded because of what is going on, uh, not necessarily in the town I live in, but around me. I mean, last uh, weekend, we had over 90 people shot, a three-year-old killed, an 11-year-old. I mean, it's, it's horrible. And uh, gun violence is up 22% uh, in Chicago, which, you know, COVID has quieted a lot of things, but it hasn't quieted, as was mentioned, the guns. And the way I look at it, it's all connected. If you don't feel safe in your community, you're not going to come outside. If people don't feel safe, businesses are not going to move to that community. So it hurts us in an economic development way. Tourists are not going to come to your um, municipality or your city, you know, if they don't feel safe. So it's all um uh, when we talk about health and well-being, uh, there's been studies where kids don't come outside and play in the park because they're afraid of playing in the park or taking a walk around the block. Or, you know, it, it just has it just touches so many things when people are afraid and don't feel safe. And then the other thing is some of the people that do take up guns, uh, they feel hopeless. They don't even think they're going to live to 20, they feel like they, and this is where the structural racism comes in, they don't feel like they'll ever get an opportunity. They live in an area where the schools aren't that great, you know, where uh, the healthcare is not easily accessible, where there's not transportation, where they can't even walk to a grocery store, you know, so it's all uh, tied in together. And then my um, daughter works for uh uh, CPD nine. She's a nine one one operator, and she talked about um, how the domestic violence calls went up tremendously. She said they're coming down now, but we, beside the background check bill not being passed, we couldn't even pass violence against women, and we know a lot of that violence comes uh, through gun violence, also. So, um, I mean, this it's it's a scary situation. So. You know, for me, I'm going to keep at it until I don't have to keep at it anymore. You know, I don't need reminders or anything like that, uh, even though I get them on the news. But with um, partners outside of the halls of Congress and partners inside like uh, Rep. Thompson, Rep. Lou and many others, uh, I'm I'm an optimist. I know we're going to get this done. 
but who's in office has a lot to do with it. So people need to remember that. I, I admire and, and appreciate your sense of tenacity around this. We reflected at the beginning around the perseverance that was required just to even have this event, given everything that's happening. But here we are with multiple hundred people joining us. Mm-hmm. That sense of tenacity, I think, really informs the next steps. And as we move through everything that we are going to have to deal with over the course of the summer and then coming into the winter and coming into an, into the election cycle, there's going to be much work to be done. Congressman Thompson, I wonder if you could just give us maybe a little bit of a look behind the scenes, a sense of the places that you would like individuals and communities to really start to channel effort coming out of an event like this, feeling motivated, hearing about perseverance and tenacity, hearing about urgency, what are the things you would like to see? And what are the, the conversations that happen away from cameras and away from, away from iPhones and such around priorities, around things that you would like to see individuals and communities doing nationwide to keep moving things forward, to keep unlocking the puzzle? Well, you know, Congressman Liu uh, hit on this when, when he spoke. Uh, and the fact that uh, when people engage and there's a will of the American people, we can get a lot done. And the, the number one priority, and we, we've been working on the issue of gun violence prevention uh, in, in, in a big way since the tragedy at Sandy Hook. And uh, everyone agrees that the thing that we can do that will save the most lives the quickest is to expand background checks to make sure that everybody who tries to buy a gun has to first get a background check. And if we can do that, we can, that can be the first line of defense against people who shouldn't have guns, uh, criminals, people who are dangerously mentally ill, be the first line of defense against them getting those firearms. Well, we started down that trail uh, I, that was uh, seven, eight, nine years ago, uh, I wrote the first bill on expanding background checks. And we did not get a hearing nor a vote on that bill in the House of Representatives for seven years. Seven years. And mind you, that 90 plus percent of the American people believe we should expand background checks. So it wasn't until this Congress, and we're in the second year of this Congress now, that um, the Democrats won the House and we brought that bill up for a vote. We had a hearing and a vote and it passed out of the committee and it passed out of the House over to the Senate to merely expand background checks. And as Congressman Lou said, it sits over there on that big pile of bills that are on Mitch McConnell's desk that he won't take up. And every day that goes by that that bill isn't taken up is a day that we're all at risk. So the behind the scenes part is everybody needs to get engaged and do everything we can to make sure that Mitch McConnell does his job and takes this bill up or we flip the Senate. And if that were to happen, uh, not only would we have the bill out of the House right away, but the Senate would pass it and then we could uh, get it to uh, the next president for his uh, signature. 
Congressman Liu, this makes me think of, of something that I actually, I, I like the tool of juxtaposition, and I'm struck by the sense of optimism and tenacity and a clear sense of what I'm hearing is some frustration with the way the process that we are used to, that we learned about, that we have a lot of confidence and, and trust in. It may, it may not be working that there's a bill that's been passed and it isn't moving. How do you reconcile a sense of optimism, tenacity, being mission-driven with that sense of frustration that, that things are, maybe aren't working the way we expect or would want them to work? Uh, thank you for that question. Sometimes I like to say that government works at a majestic pace. And as uh, Congressman Thompson just described, it took a very long time to even get a hearing on this bill. I, I'm on the House Judiciary Committee, and I remember, in fact, the hearing we did, it was all day long, and the Republicans just kept putting up really bizarre amendments and bizarre objections. But we got it out and then uh, got it through the House with, uh, again, Congresswoman Thompson and Congresswoman Kelly's leadership. Uh, so I've dealt with gun violence issues uh, ever since uh, I was in a California state legislature. And it's become pretty clear to me that uh, there's just a wide gap between how many of us view gun violence issues and how uh, folks who support the NRA uh, view a gun violence issue. So their view is that if everyone had more guns, we would be safer. I don't doubt the sincerity of their views. I believe they honestly believe uh, that view. I just think it's incorrect. But if you start with that assumption uh, that that's where they're coming from, it is enormously difficult to compromise. So the way that we win then is you simply have to put people into office that don't have that view. Uh, and so uh, helping the organizations that uh, are being helped today is very effective because not only do they do that, they also uh, work in courts, they work to help shape public sentiment, but also folks can look at different elected officials across the country and choose to support uh, those who have views that align with our views on gun safety. So then the engagement is around, is, is people finding that lever, making sure that they're registered, helping others to register, and ensuring that they pull those levers when the time comes to find people who are as mission-driven as them, who are running for office to, to be able to represent them. Absolutely. Or you can run for your office yourself. Or run for your office. That's right. That's right. That's right. That's right. Dr. Rainey, I want to ask you, you and I are both part of the same profession. We, we did our training kind of around the same times. And understanding the public health aspects of gun violence, I'll be transparent, was not part of my training as a, as a medical student, as a resident, or as an attending for really the first decade of my career. What is your sense of the impact that professions like, like medicine, like nursing, the entire healthcare infrastructure of the United States, what is your impression of the new sense of engagement and the impact that we can have, not just as providers of healthcare, but also as a model for other professions to acknowledge the power that they can also have to drive issues of import? Mark, I love that question. Um, I mean, in terms of our impact in healthcare on this issue, I can't begin to overstate um, the importance of our speaking out. Uh, you know, a couple of years ago when we led um, the This Is Our Lane campaign, um, it was a moment um, in which the work that many of us had done for years prior really came to the surface. We had been told 
to quote unquote, stay in our lane, that gun violence was not our problem. And we came out first individually as the folks that had been involved in gun violence prevention for years. And then on mass saying, you know, if gun violence is not our lane, what who is it that you think takes care of both victims of gun violence, but also survivors and families and communities. We not only take care of the acute wounds, but we take care of the decades of consequences, both physical, emotional, mental, um, the effects on people's level of fear, post-traumatic stress, substance use. And like you said, we did not learn about this in med school. When I first started working on this issue, I was told outright by multiple mentors um, that it was career suicide, no pun intended, um, to talk about gun violence um, because it was unfundable, because it was a political third rail. I think that we as medical professionals have a role in speaking out about how public health problems are public health problems. Again, these are not partisan. These are problems that affect our patients, their families, and our communities. And we can bring our stories and our firsthand witnessing of the effects of this epidemic to bear in order to change the conversation. And then you asked, what can other professions do? How can our example help to set an example for others? I think first, it shows how even a very small C conservative or slow to, in, in Representative Lou's words, majestic profession, a group that is very slow to change and very slow to speak out, can come around to say, look, we see what the problem is and we're willing to speak about it because we know we need an investment in solutions. We showed up saying we needed that investment in research, which I'm so thankful to the House and Representative Kelly. Thank you for your leadership there and talk Representative Thompson as well. The $25 million that was given to NIH and CDC will transform our ability to not only have policies in place, but all the other stuff that goes along with it, right? We know that policies alone are a great step, but we need all that other research. We showed up for that. If we can do it, so can other professions. And other professions have a voice too. We've worked with the ABA, the lawyers, police, teachers. I work with um, the National Association of School Nurses um, who hold such a firsthand view um, of what goes on. And I, I think it's critical for all of us to talk about how this affects us because as Representative Lou said, the only way that this changes is not by, you know, us talking heads, by those day-by-day family to family, friend to friend conversations that change the public consciousness, the acceptance of what risk and safety look like and lead us to a point where we can move towards a safer country. So I, I do think it's on all professions who see this and we all do. What you said about gun violence being a public health issue, we know the things that can move a public health issue. Politics is one of them, but it doesn't mean that it is a political issue. Congresswoman Kelly, I want to ask you, though, when you hear two physicians or two two people just kind of having this conversation about this isn't a political issue, it's a public health issue. How does that resonate? How does that sit? Does it feel like the right work to push forward to the public? We're here because this is a public health issue. We'll use the political levers to try to drive change. How does that resonate with you? Well, I call it a public health crisis, actually. Uh, I've called it that for a long time, especially representing, you know, where I represent it is a crisis when you think about someone is dying, and I'm not even talking about the suicide part, just uh, someone is murdered, you know, almost every day, and then many, many people, um, we call it a slow motion massacre uh, that occurs in some of our urban areas. So no, I think you are spot on. It is a public health issue, and it has affected so many people. If you can't go 
watch a movie, go to church, you know, go to school, you know, whether it's elementary school or what happened at Northern Illinois University uh, some years ago here. You can't go shopping. You can't play in a park. I would call that a public health issue for sure. And I definitely thank the doctors. Uh, Rep Thompson and I did a press conference with docs and um D.C. about the whole notion of staying in your lane. And I think that, um, you know, you were spot on that many other professions can jump in because they're all affected. Nurses, teachers, um, you know, police, uh, on and on and on, uh, because we're all, you know, affected by it. But no, I think that is the right thing, a public health issue. And especially when you bring in uh, suicides, uh, that really exacerbates, you know, what's going on. There's a couple of things you said that I find really striking. One of them is this idea of earlier you mentioned how all of these pieces are interconnected between COVID-19, gun violence, mm-hmm. etc. They're all they're all interwoven. You mentioned the, the the idea of being able to go out, freedom of movement, freedom to be able to live the life that you want to live. Looking at how people are responding to the COVID-19 pandemic, and we're seeing a a wide spectrum of responses, some of the pushback we get to the rational public health measures that we're trying to convey to the public is, this is impacting my freedom of movement, of expressing myself, of I don't want to wear a mask, despite knowing that it's the right thing to do and it will save lives. Is Is there some... Is there some impact to be had there in the gun violence conversation? And I'll ask this really to all of you, Congresswoman Kelly, I'll ask you to reflect first, to use that same argument as, look, the the gun violence epidemic is impacting our ability to live the lives that we want to live nationally. It's not just in Chicago or Rhode Island or in California, it's everywhere. Is that a lever that we could possibly use? Congresswoman Kelly, can you reflect on that first? You know, I've never thought about it necessarily on a national level, but I know that that's true because I know people that tell me that they don't go into the city of Chicago, even though uh, for the most part, it just happens in a few concentrated places. I know that people have said that, or they don't go outside after, you know, a certain time or, you know, just different things like that, that it really impacts the decisions they make, the schedule that they keep, you know, where they're willing to let their, child go, who they're willing to let their child go visit, where their child goes to school. So, I mean, I know it's not just happening, you know, in this area. I'm, I assume it happens uh, in multiple places. And I've had, in fact, someone just told me last week, I don't go to this particular restaurant because it's too dark over there and I'm concerned, you know. And uh, so, yes, it does impact, you know, decisions that people make and how people live their lives, frankly. Congressman Lee, you spoke about the, this this as well, and we this idea that we need really national effort. This isn't going to be the people that are on this Zoom call. We need to really mobilize as many people as possible across the country in every election, in every down ticket ballot, all of those sorts of things. Does this piece, this idea of gun violence as a public health crisis is impacting your ability to live the lives you want to live, even if you don't own a firearm or haven't been a victim of gun violence. Does that feel like an effective tool to really mobilize that population level effort? Yes, that's a great point. Uh, My wife, Betty, was recently elected to Torrance School Board. uh, And after the Parkland shootings, um, they've 
change their procedures. Uh, they continue to spend taxpayer dollars to harden schools. And so uh, because of a shooting at one school in Florida, it's affected schools across California as well as students and teachers, administrators. Uh, so gun violence affects all of us. And uh, that is a very good point to make. Um, we should actually be making that point point more. So thanks for raising it. <laughs> it's, this is one of my favorite things to do. My friends will tell you there's nothing better than just getting some people together. Don't even have to have met all of each other and just sort of start exchanging ideas and, and pulling out the good things. And, and we find these things that can kind of crystallize. Congressman Thompson, you've been driving this work for the best part of your career as a member of the U.S. House of Representatives, what's the appetite like to keep pressing it forward, to keep accessing new ideas, to keep leveraging old ones, to be agile, to be dynamic, to press forward during a pandemic? What's the appetite? For- well, but before I answer that, let, let me go back to your question that you asked my my, my colleagues. Please. And I, I just I want to just add one other thing. I cannot tell you how many school students, K-12 students, have come up to me and said, we know that our school is going to be next. Wow. So for God's sakes, if you're a parent, a grandparent, an aunt, an uncle, or just a community member, you've got to understand that this has an incredibly deleterious impact on every kid's ability to feel comfortable and safe in school their ability to learn, their ability to grow. And the argument that, you know, somehow this has taken your guns away is just nonsense. All we're asking is to make sure that you're not a criminal or you're not a danger to yourself or others before you get a gun. And for, you know, as you know, everybody on this Zoom knows that I'm a gun owner and I support the Second Amendment. And I just want to call out my fellow gun owners. Uh, if, if you don't get ahead of this curve and work to make sure that gun owners are responsible and the people that don't shouldn't have guns don't get guns, you are going to lose some of your rights. Mm-hmm. We have a responsibility in addition to a right to own firearms and I, I just want to encourage people to exercise that responsibility. And yeah, you, you, we just got to stay engaged. And I think you, you can sense that from, uh, from my colleagues who are, who are on this call. Nobody's going away. We're, we're not going to quiet down. We're, we're not going to stop because we know this is a righteous issue. This is an important issue. And our success will save lives. And every one of us knows that. All of our colleagues, uh, Susan Delbaney is on this Zoom. She texted me a minute ago. And uh, she was out uh, this morning in her orange uh, walking for, uh, for gun violence prevention. And just, you know, Anna Eshoo's out today. Speaker Pelosi's out walking for gun violence prevention today. We are locked in. We're not going away. And you can, there's a lot, every minute in, in our line of work, there's a distraction. We have a master uh, in the White House at distraction. <laughs> and uh, we're distracted. Uh, and we can do more than one thing at once. Uh, we're, that's, that's part of the, that's part of the uh, 
job description. You've got to be able to keep a lot of balls in the air. <laughs> and uh, this one is one we're not only going to keep in the air, but we're going to move it down the field. And we will get this bill passed and signed into law. And when we do, we know that we'll save lives. There's a term that I really love, Megan. Dr. Randy's heard me say this. The term is pluripotent. It's being good and able to do many different things at once. <laughs> and the idea and the vigor that the three of you, our elected representatives, speak to this idea of staying pluripotent is incredibly exciting for me as someone who, right, I'm, I'm your constituent. Dr. Randy's your constituent. It's, it's really compelling. Dr. Randy, can you reflect on that a little bit? Not just as a physician. You worked last night in the emergency department. Um, I worked this morning and we'll both be going back to it. What is the sense that you get when you hear the, our elected officials reflecting ideas, reflecting concepts, challenges, all of these different things in this sort of unscripted manner? What is the impact that it has? And I'm asking this because I want you and I to give them that feedback to know that this gets the heart rate up. This yeah. is this this feels like the right the right work. Thank you, Mark. Um, I, I mean, I love it. I think that we need fear, and we need everyone to understand that they're at risk. But we also need hope. Um, and and what our country needs right now more than anything is hope and trust that somebody in government is trying to do the right thing. Because I think that is the thing that has been lost. Um, to a large extent over the last few years. Uh, so it's just lovely um, to hear the three of you talking about ways to bring people together and to create hope. And I just, I also wanna put a pin in Representative Thompson's point about being a gun owner. So as you know, Mark, my co-founder of a firm is a firearm owner, a rifle safety instructor for 4-H and an emergency physician himself. And he will say that to him, his gun is a tool, it is a privilege, and it is a responsibility. And it's like that Spider-Man quote, right? Like of like, with great power comes great responsibility. <laughs> and I think that one of the best things that we can do is again, to demystify or um, shift, or as you know, Mark, I love to use the word reframe, to, to reframe the conversation around this, that this is not this black and white issue. It is about the same way that we have come to met together as Americans to fix so many other problems in our history that we can fix this one too. And to hear the three of you as representatives discussing this and discussing the things that Dr. Shapiro and I and those of us in the health community talk about all the time of how do we kind of do, how do we do this messaging and how do we create community and how do we bring folks together who don't normally sit at the same table and how do we move things forward um, to have you there fighting for us in it is just terrific. So Thank you. As we move towards kind of our, a chance for questions and answers, and those of you in the audience, if you would like to submit questions on the Zoom frame, you'll see at the bottom right, you can ask questions and we'll be able to look at them and we can ask our panelists. Uh, Congressman, I'll just start with you. The, the word hope, energy, passion, commitment, these keep coming up. I don't know that I've really heard them framed around the issue of gun violence and gun violence prevention before. I'll ask you if this... To me, it actually feels quite exciting. The, the hearing those words in this context, how does that land with you? I think there is a lot of hope. We did see uh, the American people rise up uh, after Parkland shootings, uh, especially with the Parkland students going across our country and really um, changing public sentiment. So as a result, uh, some things did in fact change. Uh, we did reverse a 
issue that the NRA had opposed for many, many years, which was funding uh, for the health research on gun violence. And not only was that reversed, uh, there actually now is funding for it. And we also uh, got the background checks bill through the House of Representatives. So you are seeing progress. Um, we now have this pandemic that has been quite distracting, uh, but the gun issue is not going away and, and people are still very aware of the dangers of gun violence. And in fact, in Minneapolis, where George Floyd was murdered, we recently had a, a, another basically mass shooting where 11 people were injured. So uh, this issue uh, continues to plague America. Uh, but the hope is that we have seen some changes and we're going to see more. And I believe that the American people are waking up uh, to this issue. And I think we're going to have a pretty good November. And I think we're going to get a lot of changes, if not before the end of this year, then definitely next year. I, I, I want to draw a question out of the Q&A that has been submitted to us. And Congressman Thompson, I'll direct this one to you. This is a question from Janice, and it's, what is the most impactful thing we can do to help end gun violence? And I like that she chose the word end. It's not, it's, it's bold. It's how do we end gun violence? Well, as uh, I think all of us have said, uh, it's involvement. Uh, we need to make sure that uh, we've got to create our own weather. We, we've got to we've got to make a we've got to make a storm. And uh, and and in the areas where uh, elected officials are reluctant to work on this issue, uh, where they're stubbornly preventing progress from happening, we need to make them feel that storm. And that's the most effective way that we can do it, because uh, this is this when 93 percent of the American people say everybody should pass a background check before they buy a firearm and you can't get Mitch McConnell to take the bill up. That's not a health crisis. It's not a political exercise. It's not a policy discussion. It is pure and simple, a political problem. And so those folks need to feel the pressure. They need to know that their constituents have had enough. Their constituents, as Second Amendment as they want to be, are demanding that we have responsible and sensible laws so that people who are a danger to themselves or others, people who are criminals, we, that we do everything we possibly can to make it more difficult for them to get their hands on a gun. We're often asked, call your representative official, send a letter to your representative official, send them something on social media. How, can you give us a sense of impact? Is it the individual messages that resonate with you? Is it the sheer number that you get? How do we as the public leverage that tool to do exactly what you just described, to move the needle where it's needed to move? Let me give you an example. And two of my colleagues uh, mentioned this already. And that's what happened in Parkland and the subsequent uh, actions, political actions that took place. After Parkland, the Florida legislature passed some gun violence prevention legislation. And this, is, this was not a place where uh, gun bills uh, were easily passed in Florida. The governor, now U.S. Senator, but the governor at the time, signed that bill into law before the ink was dry on the bill. And he did it, and the legislature moved with such speed because, as uh, Ted Lieu said, the students, the young people in Florida, were 
they were they created their own weather. And it was real easy to, to do the math on that. 300,000 17-year-olds in Florida who were going to be eligible to vote in the November election. That's the only reason that legislation passed and the only reason that legislation was signed into law. It's just pure politics. And they did the calculation and made that happen. So that's what we need to do. Uh, Everybody needs to make sure their elected officials know that gun violence prevention is a top issue with them. And everybody needs to know that that every elected official needs to know that uh, their constituents are going to be voting accordingly. One of the questions that comes out of our Q&A is, is sort of in that same same vein, and Congresswoman Kelly, I'll ask you to reflect on it. The NRA is mentioned specifically in this question is how can we defeat the NRA? And it's interesting that we're positioned against a, a lobbying group. But w- is the, the mobilization that Congressman Thompson is speaking about and the energy that doc, that Congressman Liu is speaking about and Dr. Randy's reflecting on, is that enough to, to push other lobbies aside and to be loud enough to actually drive legislative change? You know, I think um, dealing with the NRA is tricky because I know responsible gun owners that are members of the NRA because they get certain discounts and things like that. They wouldn't necessarily choose to be a part of it. When I think about the NRA and the um, negativity, it's more the big gun lobby, the people up here. It's not every single person because I think if I'm correct, uh, uh, Michael correct me if I'm not, but over 70% of NRA members think there should be background checks. So they're not even listening to their own members. But like for me, I, no matter what, I would always be willing to meet with NRA members or even the big lobbyists to try to have a conversation. One thing um, I think is great that um, Congressman Thompson, uh, Congresswoman Val Demings, Uh, Benny Thompson, all gun owners, but they believe in being responsible gun owners. And like we've said, um, we just don't want people to have guns that are going to hurt themselves or anyone else has felony background charges. I don't have a gun. I'm scared of guns. Mike made me go to the shooting range (laughs) and just to say I did it, you know, but I don't want to do it anymore. But um, (laughs) but but I grew up in a family with guns and a family of New York City cops, you know, so, you know, I, I feel like they put fear in people. Oh, they just want to take your gun away, you know, but that's that's not true either. If you, you brought your gun legally and you're responsible with it, that's fine, you know, but I just think sometimes that message, you know, has gotten, you know, the train has left the station and we're trying to, you know, pull that back. But um, um, I don't know, it's just people really need to pay attention to what, their elected officials are doing. And sometimes like other issues, maybe this time you have to just vote on one issue because this is so important and so many people are dying. And we never talk about the people that you guys know all too well that are injured, that live. How many more people like that whose lives have been changed and their families, their lives have been changed physically or for some people mentally. And it's a great cost to the nation 
Absolutely. And, and, in, and in mitigating that cost, we want to access people that come to come forward, like you described, kind of with that open mind and that maybe want to learn more. Congressman Lou, I'll ask you, when someone comes to you and basically just ask the question, how do I learn more? And that's actually one of the questions that's in our Q&A panel. Where do you like to direct people to learn more about the issue of the gun violence epidemic that you found effective at helping people to understand it in a way that will help drive change? Are there resources that you like to reference? And all of you, I'll invite you to chime in on this as well. Uh, the three organizations that uh, we're supporting today uh, provide great resources. Um, in addition, uh, those of us in Congress who work on gun safety issues, uh, we can provide information to uh, constituents and people who call in. And so please feel free to contact Congress members uh, Kelly and Thompson or me or, or any of us and our staffs, and we can also provide you resources as well. I appreciate that. And, and if people want to, who are listening, all of the, the organizations that are being represented by this event, they're all on the website and they all have tremendous, tremendous capacity. They all have tremendous resources available for discussion. If I could just jump in about five years ago, I wrote a congressional analysis on gun violence prevention and I worked with all those organizations. So that's just on, you know, my congressional website. If anyone wants to take a peek, the problem and and solutions, which are solutions that we put forth legislatively. RobinKelly.house.gov. That's where that document is. Mm-hmm. That's where I. That's where I read it. That's where I found it. That's right. <laughs> Congressman Thompson, as we kind of move towards the end here, we're, we're, this is our third Rock the Ride. It's a, it's, a, it's a different one. It's different than last year when we've kind of filled up the streets of Yountville. What are your reflections on the experience of executing on this, of still keeping the vision and executing on it, and just kind of what this different experience has been like, acknowledging that hopefully the experience for the 2021 Rock the Ride will look and feel a little bit different? <laughs> Well, th- th- thank you for that question, because uh, as I think you and Rebecca and Eric know, uh, even when we were doing the real live Rock the Rides, uh, I always thought that we should expand it uh, to do a version of the virtual stuff. Uh, there's no reason in the world that uh, every spin cycle studio across the country can't sponsor one. People could come in and do their spinning uh, other members of Congress, and I know there were three members of Congress, uh, Ted Lieu was one of them, uh, that had planned to do a Rock the Ride uh, this year. And I think every member of Congress uh, ought to think about doing uh, one. And, and we ought to, the Rock the Ride ought to become a national brand. Uh, and we ought to be doing it every place. It's just one more way uh, to highlight this issue, one more way to get more people involved and one more way to create that weather that we need in order to bring about the change. That feels aspirational. That, that definitely feels like the right work and bringing more and more people in and, and sharing these ideas and experiences. I, I really appreciate that. I'd like to thank you all so much. This is an incredible experience for me uh, in person or virtually over Zoom. It doesn't matter. Getting to sit down with three elected officials and Dr. Rainey all at the same time to discuss this critical piece, this, this item that's going to really impact my entire career and, and the family that I'm trying to raise and all that. It's, I'm grateful to all of you, Congressman Lou, Congresswoman Kelly, Dr. Ranny, Congressman Thompson. Thank you all so much for this really, really special event, this really special opportunity. Eric, I'll turn it back over to you to kind of bring us home. Well, thank you guys. That was amazing. And, uh, you know, I get to cross, uh, call people across the line at the finish line of so many races throughout the world. And I just want to thank all of those athletes, cyclists, enthusiasts, 
that have attended our seminar for the last hour. Becky Reyna, Beth Painter, Brad Silver, Rebecca Elkenberry, Caroline Shaw, Karen Stone, thank you for staying in with us. David Burnson, Elizabeth Healy, Jillian, Hannah and Eric Housley, thank you guys. Elena Adelson, Jeff Binkley, Jennifer C., Joe and Andre Baking. Uh, Eleanor Hirsch, L. Russell, Mary Luros, Mary Jane, Maureen Middlebrook, Mike Crosby, Mike Kigcher, Monty Frank, Monty in Connecticut, love you, man, Nate Finkel, Peter, (laughs) Ray Ellen Jordan, Rita Burris, Rita, and Sarah Corbett. Thank you, our attendees. Big thank you to, of course, Nancy Pelosi, Dr. Mark Shapiro. If that medical doctor stuff doesn't work out, you have a future in radio, my friend, as well as many other things. Robin Kelly, unbelievable. Thank you so much. Your uh, family being the police uh, over the years, that was a great part of the story. Megan Rainey, thank you so much. Uh, Good luck in Rhode Island, staying away from the humidity. Have fun out there. Uh, Mike Thompson, unbelievable. We also want to thank all the different companies that donated beverages. Okay, we've got a lot of champagne mixture. If you're in the area, you go down to Bar Lucia and Oxbow. Otherwise, we're going to send you your flute of uh, champagne and your Cliff Bars. Thank you, Gary and Kit from Cliff Bar. Uh, what we can do to make a difference, WCID, what can I do? Tell a friend about Rock the Ride. Tell a friend what you heard about today. Bring a friend to Rock the Ride next year. I think we're going to have a virtual and an actual one, live and online. Register to vote. Tell a friend to vote. Make sure all your friends you're riding bikes with, golfing, playing tennis, your coworkers, say, do you vote? Do you just wear the sticker on race on, you know, election day? No, go out and register. Um, other than that, we have three minutes to go. As Gabby Gifford said, and thank you, Gabby Gifford, for that great video, be bold. Ask the questions that you don't want to ask. This is the time between the pandemic and everything else that's happened all over the nation and world. This is the time to make change and be bold. And the three people that thought about this are Sheriff John Robertson, Rebecca Koch, a great event director. I mean, Mike Thompson, Congressman, tell us about your thoughts on Rebecca. And you, Mike Thompson, the three of you, Rebecca, the sheriff, and you came up with this idea three years ago. And sir, it's your event. We got two minutes to go. I'm gonna let you close it, sir. And uh, thank you for doing what you do and representing me and my family. Uh, Mike Thompson, please, let's, uh, you can take it out. Eric, thanks very much. And yeah, we thought about this. Uh, Rebecca and the sheriff and I were on a ride right after that terrible, terrible tragedy at the veterans home in, in Yonville where uh, three young health providers were murdered uh, by someone using a gun. And we said, you know, we really should do something about it. And uh, Rebecca was there and Rebecca does these fantastic bike rides and everything she touches turns to gold. So it just kind of fell on, on her and uh, she agreed that we needed to do it. And, and, uh, and, and we just put it together. Uh, it was the sheriff's idea to do uh, bubbles and burritos for our lunch, which uh, that, that was, that was, that's worth it in, in, in itself. <laughs> and, uh, we had two great ones. Uh, and uh, I think uh, Rebecca mentioned earlier, we had over 500, we had about 500 people for the first one for the inaugural, which is unheard of. We had uh, up to close to 700 for last year's event. And uh, then we uh, 
have the, the uh, virtual one today with, I think, an incredible turnout, over 250 people participating in the first ever virtual. And next year, I think we'll be back live again. And I, I'm thinking we're, we're over a thousand people and uh, we need to get the word out. People need to do it and we need to nationalize it. Uh, everybody ought to be doing one of these in their community or on your own. You know, if you're a, a, a bike group, if you're a, a PTA group, get your friends together. Uh, do a do a do a rock the ride. Uh, ride it, walk it, or or, or run it. Uh, it's for a great cause, and it will save us a lot of money, a lot of lives, and a lot of heartache. Well said. Amen to that. Well, on behalf of U.S. Congressman Mike Thompson, Rebecca Koch, and Napa's Sheriff, the great John Robertson. My name is Eric Gilson. It's been an honor to be your host. Mark Shapiro, everybody. Megan Rainey, Robin Kelly, Ted Liu, Rebecca, thank you very much. Please, what you found out today, do something about it. It's time to change. Enough. Thank you. Thank you. See you later. Again, thank you to all of the panelists who participated in the Rock the Ride fundraiser conversation on reducing gun violence in America. Congressman Mike Thompson, Congresswoman Robin Kelly, Congressman Ted Liu, and Dr. Megan Rainey. And thanks again to the sponsors of this episode of Explore the Space podcast, Lori Bedke and Creighton University. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. Also, a very special thank you to Rebecca Koch. Rebecca is the program director for Rock the Ride. She put on an extraordinary event at the last minute. We all came together around her energy, her enthusiasm, and her attention to detail to really create something very, very special. So thank you to Rebecca for helping us make this all come together. Definitely would like to invite all of you again to please check out the website for Rock the Ride. The link is in the show notes. And most importantly, thank you all so much for listening and for continuing to take action to reduce gun violence in the United States. We will be back with more episodes of Explore the Space podcast. Until then, take care, wear your masks, wash your hands, maintain social distancing, stay safe, and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com, and please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show, and you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.